0: Podcast hosting for the Run With It Podcast is provided by transistor.fm.
1: Welcome to Run With It, the show that brings you untapped business ideas from successful entrepreneurs. My name is Chris Justin, and I'm here with Ethan Jenny. Ethan, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how often is too often to check my
2: financial pages, you know? How often how do I check my stocks, my my crypto, my whatever? You know, is it good to check it often? It means I'm paying attention. Is it quarterly? Is it weekly? Is it daily? I don't well, the know. worst
1: infringes are the if you're doing a Zoom call and someone has glasses and you can see that they're they've got their financial ticker, <laughs> <laughs> the reflection of the glasses. So right, right. You're not that bad. It looks like our guest today has his like
2: hands politely, you know, at his sides here. So I think we be we could be pretty sure he's not like typing out uh, you know, his fidelity investment portfolio or something.
3: This might be the moment where we hit peak bubble and it all went down. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Tell us about Brian though.
2: Yeah, Brian Brian Clayton, he's the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal. It's an online marketplace that connects homeowners. With local lawn care professionals, I actually need a local lawn care professional. I shall, I shall look into that today. I just moved and I have a lawn now. Awesome. <laughs> so, but he has a business idea in a completely different uh, vertical. Here, we're talking about hotels and the check-in
1: experience. Have you had any uh, recent check-in experiences, Chris? Well, recent, I had a terrible hotel experience in Puerto Rico. I one of the few times that I actually. Uh, Reviewed a hotel. I was given two stars over the course of a week. They did not come clean my room once, which is, you know, separate from the hotel. The hotel check-in experience was horrible. All of it put together. Yeah. Left a super sour taste in my mouth. I do have some stats here. Everyone knows that hotel check-in is, is painful. Is not fun. I have to say, by the way, I had a recent hotel check-in experience. It was totally
2: fine. So I'll have to be the bad cop in this, uh, in this, in this scenario today, but yeah, go
1: (laughs) the bad cop on on the side of big hotel. Yeah. There's a Cornell university school of hoteling. I don't know actually what it's called, but, uh, Cornell has this school and they've done a study here that a hospitality, right? that's usually what they call it. Actually it had the word hotel in it, but I don't remember what it's called. We'll link to it in the show notes here. Uh, a five minute wait to check in lowers guest satisfaction in the U S by 50%. So that is huge and it seems like super low hanging fruit. Brian's got this idea he's bringing to us here. Just reimagine the hotel check-in experience. They should know who you are when you get there and just hand you a key, make it super simple for you to go straight to your room. Yeah, Brian, what's the deal? What what happened to you? Tell us about your scars. So I've
3: been doing a lot of traveling in the last 2 years. We've gotten Powell to a point of profitability. We're doing like $20 million a year in revenue. We're we're profitable. We've got a really good team. After five years of like eating dog food and working 100-hour weeks, we finally have this thing going well and it's humming. So I'm traveling a ton. I'm traveling like seven, eight months out of the year all over the world because traveling is my passion. And one thing that I noticed consistently about doesn't matter where you go in the world, how nice the hotel or how like just basic, the hotel, the check-in experience usually sucks. It's usually you show up and it's like, okay, it doesn't matter if you book this on booking.com, Expedia, Hotwire, hotels, or on the actual website for the hotel. Every single time you start from zero, it's like, okay, who are you? I need an ID. What's your phone number? I need your freaking home address. Write your email address on this piece of paper
2: social security number, birth certificate, your passport. Oh, I forgot my passport. Oh, you can't stay here.
3: <laughs> I've had that happen. I'm always like schlepping my luggage into the lobby. Maybe, maybe a bellman might help me with it, but I always have to go through like this 10 minute ordeal of showing documentation, signing things and filling out things. It doesn't matter how good the hotel is. Except for one time in Ho Chi Minh city, Vietnam, I splurged and I booked I think what might have been the best hotel in the city. And this was a five-star hotel, but I get there. And before I could even get out of my Uber, I get there and there's somebody there that, who, who's expecting me. And they said, Mr. Clayton, we've been expecting you. It's, it's a pleasure to, ha- to, to have you here at our hotel. Uh, let me show you around the property for a moment and then I'll escort you to your room. That was it took my luggage, everything, I didn't have to, I didn't have to like give any credit card information. I didn't have to like sign a bunch of paperwork. They gave me a glass of wine uh, and I, the property was awesome. And then like they gave me the key and that was it. It was actually delightful. I felt like a VIP and I don't think it cost them any more money to deliver this experience. And they were probably doing some hand cranking of, of, of this type of experience on their, in their system and processes, but there's no reason why this type of experience shouldn't be offered to, to somebody who's staying at a holiday inn and in, in Sioux Falls. It does not matter. You should be able to just show up. They should know who you are. They should be able to recognize you by face. They should just give you your key. Everything else is handled and they just take you to your room.
2: You know, Google stocking. It's so easy nowadays, right? There's definitely a certain crowd of people, especially that would be checking into a higher end hotel. You could just Google their name, find a picture. Oh, hey, that's the guy, you know? And then when you show up, there's no ID. There's not, nah, 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 nah. you don't even need to do that stuff. But it's also secure. You know, it's not like, it's not like they're taking extra risks by not verifying those things or or having, you know, extra time to do the precautions. They just, hey, they know it's you. Like they can see just like they would check an ID.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, at Green Pal we have profile pictures on like over half the homeowners that use our platform. We get through Clearbit, And so they didn't upload those. We just know who they are. And, and we do that with minimal effort and it's not even our, our business to be in the personal concierge service. Like we get, we, we hook you up with a great lawn mowing service at a good price, but we still have more information more seamlessly than like billion dollar hotel chains.
2: Actually, by the way, you know, you were talking about making the check-in experience shorter, but I was also thinking about all of the bespoke things that happened in that check-in experience that you appreciated, a glass of wine, somebody meeting you. You could actually make it longer as long as it's enjoyable.
3: Exactly. You could actually show them through the bar, give them a free glass of wine, which is like a like $3 marginal cost. And now, guess what? Now they're probably, you know, 30% more likely to convert on spending some money, you know, in the, in the property.
2: By the way you you can also like if you just have your phone you you could do some verification that you're in that area with your phone right like oh here's your phone we recognized your phone you're in the hotel nothing more needs to be done about that has anybody ever done one of these like audio walking tours so you go to like i actually did in new orleans a couple times right where you you lived for a while uh they're pretty cool you just put on a set of headphones and they walk you around and somebody directs you and tells you about things You could actually do kind of like a nice, like concierge introduction to the hotel. You wouldn't need any extra staff, whatever. You open up your phone. It recognizes you're there. And it says, would you like a tour of the facilities, you know, a guided tour of the facilities? And then you just click yes, you know, put in your headphones. And it says, yeah, walk to your left. You see the bar. And why don't you pick up your, you know, your free bottle of or your free glass of wine or whatever it is. That could be pretty cool and actually very low overhead. Yeah, if
3: you're a startup and you're pitching this to a big VC, you're saying, "Okay, we're going to reimagine the entire hotel experience from end to end. The way we're wedging into the industry is the five minutes on check-in, and we're going to spend two years. We're going to nail that, and then we're going to get all of these these big big name hotel chains on our platform, and then we're gonna we're gonna do all these other sorts of things through enabling technology and, and mobile technology to do it." And, uh, and so I think the wedge strategy on just focusing on just the check-in experience.
1: This idea in general is kind of audacious in that it's super simple. And oftentimes those simple ideas, people just take it for granted. And I would dismiss this one, honestly, to be frank, because it's, uh, it just seems like a hotel should be able to do it. And then the thing that that I would riff on with that is you could actually measure the improvement that you make on guests by rebookings, right? Because you can say, okay, I interacted with, you know, Ethan and Ethan compared to Jim over there is 30% more likely to book at our hotel.
3: Yeah, you would definitely want to tie this to real world KPIs that you can you can improve. So that could be, okay, we've noticed you your, your star rating on Google and TripAdvisor and Expedia has gone up a, a half point because the, the, the funny thing is like, it doesn't matter how high end your hotel is. A lot of these like $500 a night hotels still only have like a 4.6 star rating in Google. Like for, for us, GreenPow, like if we have a 4.6 on like Trustpilot, we're sucking. So it's like, you could just tie it to something simple as that. You don't even have to like close the entire loop on like re- rebookings. It's like, hey, your, your qualitative star ratings on the on the four platforms that matter have gone up by 25% in, in the in the last six months.
1: Yeah, now I'm getting excited. I'm seeing the path forward here. I'm thinking about something similar like bar rescue, right? Hotel rescue. You come in, you've got this consulting service where you help them improve their overall ratings and customer experience. And as you're describing that, I was just thinking like, we have one to five scales for hotels, but maybe all of them actually suck. Maybe they're all three and that's what we're used to. But, but they're, you know, that's the top end is a three and you just accept that the check-in experience sucks, which is usually the only touch point that you have with hotel staff. If you're, you know, a decent guest, that's the only thing that, that's the only service thing that you need to concentrate on. So yeah, I, I'm all for this. It's, it's,
3: it's laughably obvious. Nobody's attacking it to your point. Lot of switching costs. It's going to be really hard to execute, but somebody needs to pour their life's soul into this problem solution. They'll build a hundred million dollar company. They'll get picked up by a Qualtrics or or maybe an Airbnb or or maybe one of these big hotel chains. It's a hundred million dollar opportunity. Ten year. It's a five to ten year business. Hundred million dollar opportunity for somebody, and it's venture and it's venture scale.
2: Uh, well, I'll preface this an interesting story, right? For for people who are those kind of struggling entrepreneurs or just getting started, right? I got an interesting tip from Andrew Warner. You know, he said when he he hadn't had any success right, with his uh, his email marketing business that he has, and he's now got a mixture of this podcast and everything that's going pretty well. He would just go to like the Ritz Carlton to work, you know, and he'd hang out in the lobby and you know just get out his little laptop, and he could feel like. He's on top of the world, even though he hadn't quite quote unquote made it yet. Right. That's interesting hack. Right. And I like combining that with this particular project. It would be a perfect in if you got a job as like the night shift at a really fancy hotel. So it's a situation where it's pretty busy, but there's probably a little bit of downtime where you can sit, you can do some research, you can do some planning. Maybe you can, you know, coordinate with like developing some type of app experience that you want to work on and you get to hang out in a really cool hotel. Right. Pick pick a nice one. Right. And you could observe what they already do. You could even eventually pitch the management on making it sort of a, a partnership.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like the tie-in, like the creme de la creme, the Ritz-Carlton's of the world are already doing this. So it's not like you're inventing a new behavior, inventing a new new human behavior. It's already being done. They're just doing it with proprietary systems. And a lot of it is hand cranking. Technology can close the gap between a Ritz-Carlton and you might even say like a Holiday Inn, but really a Ritz-Carlton and a and a W. You know, some of these higher end hotels, that still don't have that Ritz Carlton experience, it can close the gap there. It can also close it between a Ritz Carlton and a Best Western, maybe even lower lower barriers entry. You find that indie hotel, that bo- boutique hotel, that, that that every city has, you know, that's independently owned and operated, that's still expensive, and then and then you just pitch them on this, and you focus on doing everything you can to grow reputation and, and, and revenue for that one hotel by a meaningful percentage.
1: One that's a, not quite a competitor, but an alternative to this, Hilton, the uh, entire Hilton brand, they've got this app that allows guests to check in, choose the room, open the room door, all from their mobile device. So if you're registered at Hilton Honors uh, member, you're able to, to do all that, which I think is part of what we're talking about here. But as we're talking about this idea, I don't think that, I think that they're missing something They're not quite getting that experience that you're talking about. That's going to be table stakes in the future, right? Every hotel is going to allow you to do that. And you won't have as bad a taste in your mouth, but I still think that there's an opportunity for a consultant to come in and make an experience spectacular, which will cause the guest to leave a review and turn this flywheel for increased business for you. So.
0: If you want to start your own podcast, head over to transistor.fm slash run and get 15% off your first year of podcast hosting.
3: I agree. Like the consultancy slash tech startup is the way to go. Like I, I do coaching and mentoring for entrepreneurs in Nashville where I live for free as a hobby. And and I'm I'm currently working with a guy who's trying to build the Uber for junk removal he has a junk removal service, like five, six trucks going out every day. Like that's the business he's in. Now he's trying to, to make the move from blue collar entrepreneur to tech entrepreneur. I, I'm, I'm coaching him on keep the junk removal service and then build the customer experience through a digital interface. And then you can fulfill it. That's how you do it. I think this is the same. Like, I think that you get in there and you learn how to be like the best consultant that these smaller brands can work with while you've got a dev team, product team, working on this stuff and then you bring that in slowly and then you can figure out how to sell it to the big guys. It has to be dead simple to where like Homer Simpson can use it. Like the goal is to be able to hire Homer Simpson and be able to put him in like a Ritz Carlton uniform and he operate like a Ritz Carlton employee with like very little training. That's how good the product has to be. You have to design for Homer. Homer on a three day drinking binge. From just got back from Vegas on Monday morning. like that's what you have the design for
2: that that describes Chris perfectly. I mean, I take offense to that, but yeah, I mean <laughs> so. Uh- we just mentioned that you, you know, you you mentioned that you have this $20 million business and, you know, looking for some insights based on that. Just for the listeners' pleasure here, you know, what do you do for fun? Like, is it just all work? I mean, did you buy yourself something nice? Did you go on a little vacation? Like, what's what's going on? I mean, it was a little bit off topic, but we we need to inspire our listeners and we can't tell them it's all just like constant obsession with serving Homer Simpson.
3: Right on, right on. So 20 years of entrepreneurship, I actually had a landscaping company that I built from just me and a push mower to me and 150 employees. And I got it over $10 million a year in revenue. And in 2013, it was acquired by one of the largest landscaping companies in the United States. After that, I retired. I took like six months off and I realized that like there's only so many beaches you can lay on. And I got really bored. And, and like, I think it hit me one day in, in Costa Rica. It was like the biggest problem I faced that day was like the bar ran out of my favorite type of tequila. And so it was like I am capable of solving bigger problems than this. And so I thought, OK, I need to get back in the game. I need to I need to start my next thing. And the idea for Green Palace one I always had. But I didn't I wasn't a tech entrepreneur. I was just like a blue collar entrepreneur. And so luckily, I didn't know what I didn't know. I, I was very naive. And so I started GreenPal, and it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, but uh, he's like, too late. I'm like too late now, let's just keep going. And so the first like four or five years were really, really hard, seven days a week, 10, 12, 13 hours a day. And my two co-founders and I just stuck it out, didn't give up. And it didn't get to be fun running Green Pal till like year seven, like literally like two years ago. And so now it's actually fun. I, I've got a company of, of 24 people. Most of them are smarter than me and uh, which was pretty low bar, but most of them are smarter than me, which that's a lot of fun, like working with smart people who are just better at things than you are. And it's actually fun.
1: That's crazy to me. It, it took that long for you to enjoy Green Pal, right? And thinking about this idea here, I mean, you have an appreciation. Now you do know what you know. Right, and so you have an appreciation for how hard starting this hotel concierge business would be, and you know you mentioned two years, two years of just slogging it out in a hotel and trying to help people. That's why,
3: I, like somewhere along the lines in this conversation, I said five to ten years, and it's going to take you a year or two to just figure out what the hell you're doing, just to get pointed in the right direction, and then maybe another year to like get a product going, and then maybe another year after that to get three customers, and then maybe another year to get ten, and maybe get a million dollars a year in revenue.
1: How do you support yourself during that time? I mean, this is two years. Are you are you charging some of these early customers to do this work while you're learning on the fly?
3: You have to have like a fire in your belly that you're going to make something of your life. And if you see business as the, as the vehicle to do that, then it takes care of a lot of this other stuff. So it's like, okay, let's say I live to be 80 years. The first 20 didn't matter. The last 20 don't, does, doesn't matter. So really there's only like 40 years that really matter. And it's like, I'm here for a very short period of time. I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to make my life matter. Business is the vehicle for that. Then you figure a lot of this other stuff out. Like, you know, if, if, if you have zero money and you want to do this idea, well, then maybe you do a lot of things What we're talking about. You beg to go get the job at the best hotel in your city. Well, I don't live in a city with a nice hotel. Well, then you move there. And then you go get the best, you get the worst job you can at the best hotel and you work your way up and you learn the insides of how this stuff works while at night you're learning how to build, build software and code. And you're taking every dime you can to like get on Upwork and hire people to help you on the side to do this thing. You do that for three years, you'll, you'll have something. I, I think a lot of a bad advice for millennials and Gen X entrepreneurs these days is to follow your passion thing. Like I was never passionate about cutting grass. I was passionate and am passionate about winning. And creating something bigger than me, creating opportunities for the people that work for me, and building cool stuff that people get value from—like that's that's what I'm passionate about. Grass and lawns just happen to be like the part of the equation. And um, I mean, I'll be honest with you—like, there's there was many years, my first business, many years in this business that really sucked. I didn't like any of it. But it was just like I'm always going to be working on my best idea by default. Like there isn't a there isn't an internal conversation there. It's like, okay, no, no matter what, I'm working on my best thing. This is my best thing. So I'm just going to work as hard as I got to work to, to make it happen.
1: It's very clear why you're successful. It's very clear that the plan that you outlined would work. It sounds like a hell of a lot of work to, to get there, right? A lot of work. Yeah, and and I mean, but, <laughs> I but yeah. This, it. Well, it, <laughs> it's I'm obvious that if someone's <laughs> willing to do that, then, then that could succeed. If you're willing to pay that cost, then yeah, you'll make it happen. All right. Yes. I want to... I want to challenge whether there is an alternative way of making this happen. Is there a way that we can build this business where it's not hundred hour weeks for five to 10 years? What would have to be different in order to make that happen?
3: There are a couple of ways I could take it. Uh, So, the short answer is I don't, I don't see a way. Um, I, I don't. And also like I've worked really hard on this business, but everybody who's a successful business works really hard. Like I think one thing that can help every entrepreneur is to read uh, the autobiography of Warren Buffett, the snowball effect or the snowball or something like that, that will put into context, how little you work, that will put into context, how little you are focused. That will put into context, how, how little effort you are putting into the thing because that guy like was focused about one thing and that was making money and figuring out ways to put money to work, to make more money.
1: I want to interject on that. The same example though, because he's got an, a biography called tap dancing to work. And it, I don't get the impression that Warren Buffett hated his job for six or seven years before he started. How do you do this in a way that you love it from day one?
3: Well, it's like you love like for well the first three years, the first thing we did, we passed out a hundred thousand door hangers all over Nashville, Tennessee, to get people to use the app that we built. I hated every minute of that, but I did love uh, sitting down in front of our first five customers and them like telling me like, yeah, it was pretty cool. I I signed up and the guy came over the yard. Like, I love that. So did Warren Buffett love going into the basement of the SEC and, and pouring over manuals to, to try to figure out where the arbitrage was? No, but the, but the son of gun love making money. And so you don't love the inputs. You love the outputs.
1: And uh, that's, that's part of what I'm trying to figure out. I think we've interviewed, this is episode 91, I believe. And, and there is some percentage of entrepreneurs that we've interviewed that it is easy for that. They're not working these crazy hours. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. What What is that opportunity out there? What, and maybe that defines the business. Maybe it precludes this idea. Chris something. has got himself a
2: nice cushion. He's got his savings. He's ready. He doesn't want us to tell him that the answer is just that go back to work, buddy. That's really what's going to make you happy. I've got
1: one kid <laughs> on the way. I don't want to be working 100 well, hours a week. Well, hold on. Not
3: everybody's got to go zero to one. One thing I under-indexed on starting Green Pal was... Not just the tech piece, the hard work, but literally inventing a brand new product. That's really hard. Like a brand new product that does not exist. That's really, really hard. So and to go from zero to one, like does not exist. Now it's a whole thing is, is really hard. And there's, there's, it's not that you got to work 100 hours a week or 80 hours a week. You do got to work 40, but you got to spend the other 40 learning. You got to spend the other 40, like you know, watching YouTube videos like this one and and reading blogs because you don't know the things you need to know. At least I didn't. And so it's like it, the cumulatively is, is six, seven days a week. Your head's on the pillow. You're thinking about it. In the shower, you're thinking about it. Like It's full contact. Everything your life is, it is, is like trying to breathe life into this new invention. Now that said, it's not for everybody. I don't recommend everybody do it. There are a hundred other ways to make money and you don't have to like kill yourself doing it.
2: Yeah. I think the answer, it sounds like the answer is to just have some intentionality around how you're spending your time and just be aware, right? Like if you want to spend it on the beach, go on the beach. And if that's fun, keep doing it.
3: Yeah. And I listened to an interview with Mark Cuban the other day. So I'm going to repeat what he said. Cause if I said it, I'd sound like a dick. Some, he, somebody asked him, it's like, how do I know if I'm an entrepreneur? How do I know? How do I know if I'm an entrepreneur? Like are entrepreneurs born or they created? How do I know if I'm cut out for it? And he says, well, if you have to ask, you aren't. And he said, the entrepreneur loves the idea so much. They have the fire in their belly that they want to spend nights and weekends on it after, after a 10 hour day already. They want to work on it till 2 a.m. They want to work, work on it on Sundays. Like the entrepreneur wants to do that. And so Mark Cuban said it, I didn't, but I believe it. And I think it's true. I think if, if you're cut out for it, you, just, you, you don't have the internal conversation, you just do it. Because you want greatness, you have the fire in your belly. You want to have, you know, if, if it's monetarily driven, you want to have eight figures, nine figures, whatever, and you just want it so bad, you just do it by default.
1: That's a good answer. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not doing this idea, but uh, <laughs> but I buy what you're saying. <laughs>
2: there may, you know, it just wait. Just to go back into your authentic question, Chris. There probably is a way to do something. I'm gonna argue against Brian. I'll play devil's advocate to, to what he's saying. It's like there's probably a way to do it, something like this part-time. Maybe, maybe Brian's right that it won't be as become as intense as you want it to be. Maybe it's not gonna be a multi-million dollar business, but you could just start it on a couple days a week, 20 hours a week, do your research, build your thing, get it going. Maybe you sell the business, maybe you sell the business idea once you develop the app, and maybe it's kind of like you you may even be able to sell like a five million dollar. Business or something, building it on the weekends, you know, making something cool that serves hotel hotel. The owners. trap that I'm
1: seeing there is I, I don't think that you can follow Brian's game plan here, the hundred hour a week game plan, doing that part-time and be successful. I don't I think you need to be all in. You need to be the type of person who's gonna get the job at the hotel and do nights, learn and code. You need to go all in if you're gonna go that approach. I wonder if there's a completely orthogonal approach that gets you there without doing that. But I don't think you can walk the same path at reduced hours. I
3: think if you go, if you go into it and you go all in and then you decide you're not cut out for it, I think you'll identify a side hustle though. I think you'll say you'll see like, okay, I don't want to have to build this whole thing, but I can just build like the best damn CRM that hotels can use for their whales. And I can build the best solution that that these people can, like the, the 90-10 or 80-20 rule, like Like 20% of the guests spend 80% of the money that flows through there. I can build the best way that they can nurture that 20%. And so you can probably find a a $50,000 a month business in there and not kill yourself building it. You know, like, you know, I love, I love the Indie Hackers podcast. You know, that's what a lot of those guys are talking about, you know, but to me, like a lot of those guys work as hard as I do, you know, like you see a lot of these Instagram influencers and stuff. And like, you think they have the good life. Like I know a dude who's got like a, a education product. I mean, yeah, he makes good money, but he works as hard as I've ever worked. Like, like he's literally like pouring like like his soul into this education product, and he has to to make it successful. So I don't know, man. I, I don't I don't see the the ten hour a week million dollar <laughs> business. I, I it does happen. Maybe we all should have kept our Dogecoin in 2013. But
1: yeah, Yeah, that's fair. Cool. Well, we're coming up on time here. Brian Clayton, thank you very much.
3: Ethan, Chris, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Anybody want to reach out to me, I've been hanging out on LinkedIn a little bit more lately. Just shoot me a connection on there. Drop me a line on LinkedIn.
1: Awesome.
0: The podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm.